chemical company used as an agricultural fertilizer, for six years it was stored at a pot warehouse. An investigation into what triggered the explosion is underway, but the blast was so powerful that it could it was even heard more than 200 kilometers away in Cyprus. People have been affected by this. And one man said, it's nuts, it's insane, it's huge. The explosion has caused such a traumatic effect in Beirut that some of them who wanted medical attention couldn't even get treatment because hospitals were also in ruin. I want to talk to you for a few moments and in line with that blast, a subject that I've entitled or a sermon I've called Drastic Reactions. Now, drastic outburst reactions as we know, have destroyed lives, damaged relationships, and injured innocent people. I want to talk to you about the children of Israel this morning and draw your attention to the numerous times they have responded in the term that I would call drastically. And we must ask the question, why that response? Why react so drastically? We must address that because I believe that there are people who are damaging relationships, marriages, injuring their spouse and people that are around them. Just like this blast, it is having a long-term effect or even a detrimental effect on Lives And so, consider with me in Exodus 14, the book of Exodus chapter 14, verses 11 through 12, as we read a few of these verses, I want you to stay with me in the book of Exodus. We'll read a few verses from uh, Exodus 14 onwards. So, it says, Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt so with us to bring us out of Egypt? Verses 12, Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptian, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptian than we should die in the wilderness. Uh, Exodus 16 verses 3, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you had brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Exodus chapter 17, verses 3 to 4. And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it? that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our, and our livestock with thirst. So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? 
They are almost ready to stone me. Exodus 32, 1 to 3. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountains, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. So on the account of what we're reading in these number of chapters that we have just touched on, we see that the reaction of the children of Israel was so irrational, seemingly unnecessary to say the least. That somehow, if you read the Word of God, you see that the children of Israel constantly reacted outrageously. And I asked myself the question, why? Why do they continually behave like... I mean, why the statement, you brought us here to kill us? What's wrong with you? Or, let us make ourselves gods. We should have died in the wilderness. There are... There are, uh, 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 you know, we had food in, the, in Egypt that we could have eaten and here we got no food at all. And it seems that their words, their actions, their character, their attitude was so drastic to the point that it seemed like it was so uncalled for. I begin to think about this because you think about what's going on here you've got to establish that their minds are exposed through their words. What is happening in their mind is coming out through their words. These reactions, these statements suggest that they mentally processed life negatively. It reveals to us that they were extremely judgmental in their statement. It, it reveals to us that they are critical in the statements that they make. They are almost sadistic and could care less about Moses, could care less about what they say. It seems that it just uh, 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 doesn't sit well. Why would you react in such a way? I want to say this to you, overreaction, I found this word this week, overreaction negativizes, makes something negative, negativizes the situation. It is a word, by the way, if you want to go and check it out. I didn't make that up. It, it makes anything negative. When you overreact, you have the tendency to make a positive situation negative. In other words, an overreaction of emotion results in an outburst of wrath, flare-up of unnecessary words, finger-pointing, accusations, mentally blowing things out of proportion. 
And the reason this becomes the case is because in the mind, the problem isn't the words. The problem is up in here. Through the years of, many years of pastoring, I can tell you safe, safely right now, we, my wife and I have met many types of people. Characters of all sorts. That there are people who we have pastored who you say something out of concern, out of care, and out of love, but they overreact to your statement. They're like time bombs. Have you walked on eggshells? You don't want to say something because the moment they hear something that you say, you say it out of care and love and concern, but they explode. And then everything you do seems wrong. Oh, you don't care about us. Oh, you're accusing me. Oh, I'm not coming to church. I've heard all of that, church. I've heard people make all kinds of vulgar statements because of an outburst of emotions. No control over what they, they say. And our words, in my opinion, exposes our thinking. How you speak reveals what you think. When we change our perception, it will change our words. It is sobering, beloved, how drastic, how extreme a person can react, just like the Beirut explosion, and how we can be blind to the effect of our reaction. The way the children of Israel are speaking, it seemed to my opinion that no one else is present, that their statements, their comments, and the words that they speak conveys to me they could care less because all they want is somehow to react. And the question now is this, why? Why do a person react like that? When you tell someone something and you tell them something nice, why do they flare up? Why do they have an outburst of wrath? Why do they, you know, go overboard with their emotion and they start jumping and saying things and making accusation and making judgment calls? I think as I study the scripture and as I begin to look at the life of the children of Israel, in my opinion and from what I think I can, uh, I can verify based on psychology, somehow being removed from the comfort zone, births insecurity. Being removed from the familiar, births insecurity. Their insecurity is the result of their drastic reaction. They feel that in the desert, their insecurity is the cause of why they behave the way. Years ago, um, I remember of a, an individual that came to church, uh, faithfully coming for a while, and I think maybe the max or so, about a year, two years max. Uh, but there was a time when she was admitted in the hospital. My wife called her and, you know, wanted to find out how are things going and can we do anything to help? Is there anything... And she just began to blow out of proportion. She said, 
you know what? I just want to die. Just, I just want to suicide. And it's all your fault. It's because of you. And you know, I, I, I don't want to live anymore. The next time I have this pain in my chest, uh, just let my life go. Why the overreaction? Why? Why make statements like that? Insecurity. A person who lacks control reacts drastically to have a sense of control. When they, when they begin to uh, uh, look at the children of Israel, the children of Israel had food placed on their table daily. Every day they were provided for. In fact, if you look at the children of Israel, they were not being chased down by their enemies every day. They had a pretty safe environment. They had an environment where, you know, their, their uh, taskmaster would actually abuse them, but he still gave them food every day. He still gave them drinks to drink. He gave them a place to sleep. He gave them shelter over their head. And as you study this, you realize that they had all of these things provided for. They felt safe in that environment. Even being abused, even with the violation, even when they were being beaten up by their taskmasters, they served with rigor, as the Bible says, yet the point I make to you, their needs were provided for. To a certain extent, they looked at the abuse as cost and payment for the food in a, in, in a place to live. Basically, they accepted the abuse that they were facing in contra for food and shelter. This was, the, 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 this was completely provided for them. And it's possible, beloved. It is possible for people, for Christians, for believers, or even unbelievers to react drastically due to changes that happen that surrounds us. There's uncertainty in the children of Israel's life. Now they're in the desert. There's no, there's no certainty that food is going to be provided for them. They have to trust God. So they're getting edgy because they've got no control over their food. Now they are beginning to think, where do we sleep? There's no shelter. So the removal of that safe environment birthed a form of insecurity in them, causing their action to be almost drastic. Proverbs 25, 28, it says, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. It's like a city broken down without walls. There are people in my years of pastoring who live in abusive homes, who live in homes where they are violated, but yet they remain silent because they are being given food to eat. They remain silent because they are being given a shelter over their head. So they tolerate the abuse. 
They tolerate the pain. They tolerate the violation. They tolerate the condemnation. All because they are getting something in return. But when they step out, when they go to their workplaces, when they come to church, or when they go to school, you find them reacting in such an irrational way. You wonder, how can a person react like that? And if you look at their background, almost certainly they come from a home that's abusive, violent, and condemned. So when they come out, the environment is changed. Now they have no control over that because it's different. At home, my father will condemn me. At home, my mom will condemn me. At home, they will speak abusive language to me. So when someone is nice to me, it's, it's, it's awkward. They feel like, this is not normal. You must think something is wrong with me. How can you see me and love me the way I am? I was reading a book um, not long ago uh, by this man by the name of Bob Goff. And um, his wife, his name, her name is Maria. She wrote a story and she said that growing up in a home, her father used to do this. Call her family into the bathroom, put a weighing scale at the bathroom and ask every one of them to stand on the weighing scale. So she said, for me, it started at home growing up. My dad has been critical of my mother's weight. And he evidently didn't want my sister and me to look like her. He was standing by the scale he had placed on the floor with his arm extended, inviting us to stand up. She said, I can't remember the number that appeared, but I remember being so humiliated. This was another moment for me. That I began to believe that in order for me to get love and acceptance and approval, I had to please people. Nothing wrong with the weighing scale. I have one at home. <laughs> Nothing wrong with checking your weight. But when the subject becomes a condemning matter, when the subject becomes an, a, a, a matter of just violating and putting someone down, Beloved, it can cause someone to bottle up inside and overreact one day. This is what happened with the children of Israel. That's why, can I say to you, words are important. What kind of words you speak? Do you lift someone up or put someone down? See, the children of Israel were used to being condemned in Egypt. They were used to being uh, uh, assaulted and violated in Egypt. So much so when they came out and Moses presented to them the love of God, to them it was almost difficult to accept. Exodus 2.24, so God heard their groaning. And God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. God heard their groaning. God heard their complaining. God heard them murmuring, this is tough, God. This is difficult to carry. And as we've always heard, God does not see as man sees. God saw their plight. 
And despite of their needs being provided for, I say to you, God's desire was to bring them out of Egypt. God, I think, listen to my statement, God rather have them in the desert than, seeing, than see them abused by a wicked taskmaster. Let me, let me say that again. I want you to sink it. God rather have them in the desert than allowing them to remain in Egypt being abused by a wicked taskmaster. And I think that is what people fail to realize. That God never intends for you to stay in an abusive relationship. In a violating relationship. You see, all of us have choices we make. All of us can choose who we befriend and who we choose not to friend. We can choose when someone abuses us, you know, when someone constantly condemns us and violates us, we can choose to shut the door. I've had conversations with people that I've said, listen, if you're going to continue to speak like that about me and my family, we'll only talk when it's necessary. Because I don't deserve to put up with that nonsense. But you see, this is a spirit. We must realize that the reaction of the children of Israel, their behavior, their attitude, their response to everything, no water, die, kill us. Better we died in Egypt. What is wrong? I want a suicide. I cannot stand this. He was a better master than you. I mean, you're thinking, what is wrong with you? It's not that big of a deal. What's wrong with you, children of Israel? Why are you overreacting? We've read stories. We've seen people overreact. Not long ago, we know that there was a tennis match. Serena Williams was playing in the tennis match. And the, emp the umpire called a foul uh, in the wrong place. She got so upset, she threw her racket, she threw a tantrum. She got so angry. And you have to ask yourself, was that necessary? How many know, let me, let me say this before I, before I even go any further. We all will carry regrets in life when all we do is burst out, out of proportion. You'll regret it. I bet with you, Serena could have made a, you know, all that on video. Do you think today she's watching it and do you think that she's thinking to herself, shouldn't have done that. Not worth it. What about, we know not long ago, there was an Indian gentleman in Singapore who screamed and shouted and yelled at the security guard. Was that called for? Was that necessary? Maybe if you politely just spoke to, I mean, what was the need for an outburst? But you know why? Most people do, do have an outburst like that are very insecure people. Insecure. All through the Bible, you find people with insecurity. It is possible to be blinded to God's work. Here, the children of Israel were being brought out of Egypt for one purpose, and that is to ultimately 
step into the promised land. But it's very sad when you think about it, God's plans were translated as evil in their own eyes. You're not providing for me. You're giving me no food to eat. You're giving me nothing to drink. Oh, you should have just killed us there. What is that to look forward to in life? It's like God's plans were good, but their mindset translated the good into evil. How sad, beloved, that you and I, through insecurity, when people mean good for us, we see it as evil. When people mean good for us and they want to help us, they see it as something that is wicked. And so therefore, they reacted. These drastic reactions became a lifestyle. They fell like they are victims. Have you met people who constantly feel they are victims? My son made this statement to me the other day. He said, you guys are bullying me. I said, huh? I put food on your table. I show you love. I do everything I can for you. And you turn around and say, you guys are bullying me. I'm a victim of bullies. We can laugh. Jeremy is nine years old. We can laugh. But the truth is, there are many adults that do that. Look at the political, po political climate today. Just look, look around us. Beloved, everybody thinks they are a victim. Why? You did that to me. You did this to me. You remember Jonah. He did everything he could, beloved. He, he went away to Tarshish. He disobeyed God. And then after that, came back to Nineveh, preached the gospel there, preached to the people. And what happened? The people all repented and came to God. And what did Jonah do? He reacted. He drastically reacted irrationally. How dare you save those people? He was so angry with God. Moses. What did God tell Moses? Speak to the rock. And what did he do? He took the, he took the stick and he hit the rock. And God says, why the tantrum, Moses? Why the anger? Question, why does that happen now? I'm going to give you something that I learned. And I'm going to close off. Give me another five, five minutes. I'm done. Faith, faith challenges our insecurity. Now, in all of our brains, I have one. We have what is known as the amygdala. The amygdala is actually a collection of cells near the base of the brain. And according to the definition of this particular component in your brain, it says this is where emotions are given response, or this is where emotions are given meaning, remembered. So when you feel threatened, the amygdala begins to uh, uh, activate the fight or flight response system by sending out signals to release the stress hormones that prepare your body to fight or run away. 
So what the amygdala does is the moment it captures something as a threat, it immediately reacts. That's what your amygdala does. Your amygdala begins to respond. The moment it perceives a threat, it reacts and it overreacts. It begins to respond in that way. But in that brain, there is another component known as the frontal lobes, which is ultimately where thinking is done, where reasoning happens, where decision-making and planning begins to happen. And when you sense danger, your amygdala, which is the fight-and-flight response system, would be the first to jump in before you can think. Are you, are you catching this? So, you got the frontal cortex, the lobe, the prefrontal cortex, and that is where you think. That is where you process all your thoughts. That is where you rationalize. That is where you choose to consider what should I, how should I respond, how should I... This is where it all happens in the prefrontal cortex, but the amygdala always jumps in before you think. It's like a nervous system. It's like a, a system that reacts to threat. And so Daniel Goleman, a psychologist, termed, uh, 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 coined the term amygdala hijacked, which is a condition where amygdala hijacks control of your response to stress. So the moment I come up to you with a threat, you are almost certainly tempted to overreact because your amygdala always takes charge over your prefrontal cortex. And what causes the prefrontal cortex, in fact, if you do a study on it, all there are many, many types of things that can cause the prefrontal cortex to thin over time. When your prefrontal cortex becomes too thin, it, it, it's where you find dementia, Alzheimer, and all of those things uh, are coming into place. But the point I make to you is simply this. So many times we react because we are not conscious about what is happening. Distraction today can completely rob you of focus and being a person who's mindful about what's happening. This is why we jump at our kids. This is why we jump at people. Because when you are functioning in life, before you can think, your reaction jumps in. I tell you, beloved, this morning, to stop the amygdala hijack, they said, you have to consciously activate your frontal cortex. And how do you do that? You need to calm down. You need to stop, think, and take control. That's why when someone shouts at you, the first thing you want to do is shout back. It's your amygdala. It's fight or flight. 
The moment you begin to enter a certain type of environment and, and you know, it's so unfamiliar to you, what begins to happen? It immediately begins to autopilot into the amygdala. You react because you're in an unsecured environment. You're now on defense mode. This is not familiar to me. This is not familiar. This is not my, this is not my, at home, my parents scream and shout and yell. These people are too nice. Something is wrong here. And so your amygdala begins to set a defense. And this is why the overreaction. So why, why, why do we overreact? Why, why do people make drastic decisions? Because they make statements before they think. Show me a person of patience and I will show you a person who en essentially embraces rationale. A person who thinks. A person who puts thought into what he's going to do. The children of Israel clearly were constantly challenged to trust God. And I'm going to close here. They were positioned in places where their faith was tested. Think about it. Every time they made a statement, no food to eat, uh, God provided food. No water to drink, uh, God provided water. You're going to kill us, uh, they survived. Every statement they made, God refuted it and slapped them back on their face, to put it harshly. God turned it around and said, oh, that's what you think, isn't it? I'll show you that I can bring water out from this rock. And God kind of just spinned everything around and showed it. So what was it? What was it that the, 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 the scriptures we read? Go back and read it again. Why the overreaction? Why they behave like, why the continual? And, and what was God trying to show them? I believe God was positioning them where their faith was going to be tested. So let me make this statement to you. God broke their insecurity by teaching them to trust in Him and wait on Him patiently. The only way to break insecurity is by learning to be silent and waiting on God. You know why? I, I, I learned this many, many, many years after. I learned that why do I talk so much? Because sometimes I'm uncomfortable with silence. It's true. Because how many know when you're in silence, you begin to see things you never see when you're yapping? Remember I showed you a video about the mother and the daughter, the father and the daughter standing and staring into their eyes in silence without saying a word? And it brings memories of the past so the point i say this the, the, the point is that beloved many a times in silence you begin to find your value in god you lean towards god you care less what people say you care less how people treat you obviously i've learned through the many years one of my greatest issues was beloved, as many of you, I was 21 when I took this church. There are a lot of things I don't know. 
A lot of things I was lost. I was insecure. I was feeling God. What if someone come and speak? Someone is married for 15 years and come and talk to me about marriage. What am I going to tell them? How am I going to advise them? But I think, to be fair, God has helped me. God has moved. God has given, given us the wisdom and the ability to process. God has allowed us to experience things in life so we can present and bring and advise and counsel you through the years. But my point, beloved, in that insecurity, you can overreact. Matthew 6, 28 to 30. So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? The point this morning is God values each and every one of us. And when you catch the revelation of how much you mean to God, you realize that I can stand secured as who I am. That I don't have to be uncomfortable. I don't have to fight for myself because I know that God values me. You know, it comes to a place where when people raise voice at you, they say, whatever lah. No point, I lose my victory over you. No point. I'm wasting my time. I want to keep my joy. I want to keep my victory. You come to a place where you understand. Self-control, beloved, will save you from unnecessary damage. Self-control. Philippians 4, 6-7, the Bible says, and we close with this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace, the peace, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the reason for overreaction is insecurity. When you remove someone from the unfamiliar, or sorry, from the familiar to the unfamiliar, when they step into a relationship that's completely different, something begins to happen where they feel they have to react to be hurt. They have to react to be in control. They have to react to feel like they got charge over what's happening. But that is not God's plan, beloved. At the end of the day, I can tell you from reading about the children of Israel, the overreaction was unnecessary because God still provided food, drinks, and a good leader for them. So it was unnecessary. Sometimes the best thing to do is bring it to God in prayer. So overreaction, drastic reactions. There's a term known as EQ, emotional quotient. Now, there are many people who got IQ, but no EQ. That's the truth. And what this is really is the ability to identify and manage your own emotions well. You can have the smartest person on the planet. But I've read numbers of books, beloved, of men and women 
who have overreacted being in positions of CEOs and sealers, senior men, having title, having position, all of that, but have very low EQ. Their emotions take over, they blow up, they get angry, they throw a tantrum, they, they just don't have control over their emotions. And I tell you what, it's equally drastic as having no IQ. I want you to bow your heads with me. So, the Beirut blast, if there's one thing we can say about it, it was indeed a drastic reaction. It was a toxic reaction, affected many lives, killed many, many people who were innocent. Beloved, I tell you this morning, the same can be true of us. We can damage relationships that God places in our lives. God puts them so we can be protected. But our drastic reactions, our overreactions, our statements of judgment and criticality can destroy what God has built. And this morning, I think the question we must ask ourselves is, in the fit of, in the fit of reacting, reacting, 